How you doing? How's everybody doing? Good. It's on, right? Yep. Here you go. Great to be with you this evening. Um, it's a real privilege, honestly. I'm not. Numbers are not that important to me, to be honest. I, uh, I'm happy to minister to one person or to three thousand. It doesn't matter as long as God's here and people want to receive. I think that's what this is really all about. So thanks for the privilege of inviting me. I really feel privileged, uh, Mark. Uh, as you said, we hooked up on, uh, on on Wednesday, and I saw your new building, and it's incredible just to see what God's done there, what you guys are doing together. I'm really excited about what it is that He's going to do in and through that place, but certainly through you guys. So stay the course in it, and we hung out a bit and just connected. Had a coffee at this new coffee place I have not been to. I've been there since. Took my wife there already. So this is my third trip to Erie this week, just so you know. And... Um, but Mark texted, me, Mark texted me just a little while ago, this morning, and just said, hey, stab in the dark, do you have a word for this church? And uh, to be honest, I didn't want to answer him and say yes, because I, it's my wife's birthday, her 40th, and we, it was on, on, uh, on, thir- on Thursday, and because we had so many uh, kind of appointments, I moved her birthday to today. And I thought, I can't move it again. So I just had a little chat to my wife, and we just switched things around. That's why she's not here. I need to rush up back to the party, as it were, just with our family after this. But having said that, I just began to feel like, yeah, there is something uh, that I do believe God wants to speak. And how many of you are delighted that God is a God who speaks? Yeah. And, and honestly, friends, I, I, this is not something I usually come and preach in a local church. It's, I'm preaching tomorrow at the church. I just hand it over. I'm not preaching the same message. This was something God really put in my heart for you guys in the season that you're in. And so I trust you're willing to open your hearts and really receive what it is the Father has for us. If you've got a Bible, go with me, please, to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. And uh, I, when Mark kind of asked if I had something, I, I, I just immediately felt... And maybe it's because I was at your facility, your new facility, and I saw Hakon climbing up there, and I saw all the guys, and Mark made me climb up a ladder. Now, let me, let me just say this. I'm not afraid of many things, I, I must say. But heights do concern me. And, uh, and so I climbed up that one ladder to go and look at your balcony and all that. And, and when Mark asked if I had something, I just felt there was... If I could say it like this, and please hear my heart this evening, it's not to cheerlead you. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not here to rah-rah and help you feel good, that you feel good and carry on. I feel like God this evening wants to shake some stuff and release you into something even perhaps greater spiritually than what you have before. In a season of change and buildings, and there's a busy season you're in, but in it, I felt like, as, I felt like some of us have climbed that ladder and we're at this one more kind of rung to climb up. But I felt like that there was a jolt on that ladder that has caused some of us to fear stepping into that next step. And, and, and you feel like you're hitting your head against a wall, spiritually. And I felt like the Lord said that actually you're right there. If you just step up onto the next rung, you'll actually see what I want you to see. You'll actually... Uh, view the things I want you to view for the next season. And, but I felt like there was a bit of a shake or maybe a, just a little kind of attack or something that has perhaps just got us to fear stepping into that next rung. And, and maybe it's because I was just in your building, as I said. But I hope this evening you'll just hear something of the Word of God and you'll respond however you need to 
as you embrace this great next. I, I, if I have a heading for this, 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 meet, this message, it's, it's the fruit of our, where we focus. And uh, as I said, I don't want to cheer you. We are called to live by faith, friends. And uh, I know that we love to, I love to preach on faith. I love to hear about faith. But it's very different to live by faith. And I, I've seen recently Christians, believers, followers of Christ, begin again to fall back into that place of living by sight. When I see it, I'll believe it. If you show me, then I'll believe it. And, and, and I've got to say, there are times God wants us to see, but also we've been called to live by faith. A.W. Tozer says this, a real, listen to this, he said, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one whom he've nev- he's never seen. He talks familiarly every day to someone that he cannot see. He expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another. Empties himself in order to be full. Admits he's wrong so he can be declared right. Goes down in order to get up. Is stronger when they are their weakest. Is richer when he is poorest. And is happiest when he feels worst. He dies so that he can live. He forsakes in order to have. And he gives away so that he can keep. He sees the invisible. He hears the inaudible. And he knows that which passes all knowledge. Now that's in a sense a description of a Christian. It's all based on faith. And what it is, is us trusting and believing in the bigness of God. I love that song, He's a Good, Good Father. I, I think it's become one of my favorite songs because He's a good, good Father and He's perfect. It's who He is and it's who I am is I'm loved by Him. My identity, my understanding, everything I am is actually based in His love for me. He is Him, we are we, but it's because of His love for us that identifies our identity in Him. And friends, I know that you know that, but it's so vital in your season of understanding what fear does and what faith does. And in the season, both of them have fruit. And wherever you're focusing, whether it be faith, and I tell you, we're living in some challenging times in our nation right now. And I'll be the first to admit that. I think it's a global thing. But right now, there is a fear. People are living by fear. If you listen to what's been said, and very easy for us to stop believing the bad report out there rather than trusting God for what He wants to do in and through this church, through individuals in the season you're in, and what He has called us to. And so, I I do want to remind you that whatever God has called us to, it will always begin with God. And I say that to you this evening, because I do think God wants to remind you that this was not Mark and Kara's idea. If it was, it would have ended a whole long time ago. It would be done and dusted. There would be no life because God's not in something we want. God's in what He's doing. And so whenever God calls or whenever God, it always begins with Him. And that's the reminder. God is doing this, not us. Can I say if it's God, then it's always going to be bigger than us. How many of you at times, recently, honestly, feel overwhelmed by the task, the call, the bigness 
of what you're being called to. Absolutely. I feel like that's part of maybe the next step in that rudder, uh, the rung of the ladder is because you're feeling overwhelmed in the task. Maybe it is the building. Maybe it's the financial side or the unfinished or how we're going to... And God wants to tell you this. I believe if He begins something, if it's His, it will always be bigger than us. Always. I want to just remind this church, you guys as a local church, not this leadership couple, as a church, if you're doing what God's called you to do, you're going to have to continue to take huge steps of faith to see the dream God has put inside of you become more and more of a reality. I think you're going to have lots of doubters. And I hope you're not doubters here this evening, but you're going to have lots of doubters as you share what it is God has called you to do. I also want to just bring the financial thing in and say we will always feel financial pressure if we are doing what God's called us to do because it's always going to be bigger than what we can afford. And it's not this thing of what doesn't matter how much money we have, but what money you have should not determine what God has called us to do. Too many are living by a budget, friends. Too many churches are trying to minister by their budget, and too many are trying to live. And I, I'm all for budgets, but we will always, we'll never have enough money in the bank saved up in our budget to do that which, which God has called us to do. So the question we've got to keep asking is not, can we afford this? But rather, is this what God has said? Because it's going to be bigger than us as individuals, but also as a local church. And, uh, I think I preached this many years ago in this church, but in Genesis 22, I just felt God remind me to remind you that, that the ram in the thicket, that this church will always have a ram in the thicket when you're doing what God's called you to. There will always be what you need when you need it. Not when you want it, when you need it. And, uh, and I just felt the Lord say that that's the provision of God at every level. If you hear Him and trust Him and pray. I also want to say... In this season, I think you're going to continue to see God in ways that many don't get to see Him. And He's providing, and He's revealing, and He's showing, and He's leading you into that. It's always going to bless and include others. It will always be about eternity. And this, I want to tell you, it will always bring glory to Him if it is what God has called you to do. Now, in Numbers chapter 14, and uh, I'm not sure if you know the story or not, but to me it's probably one of the most tragic stories I've, you can find in the Bible. And in Romans 15 verse 4, it says that everything was written in the past to teach us. So that through endurance and encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. So it's not my stories or your stories. God has written these things in the past to show us and teach us today through encouragement of the scripture. May this give encouragement to us, but it may it also challenge us not to have to live like this. And this story here, in Numbers chapter 14, let's read it. Verse 1, it says this. It says, That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us out to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Friends, this is a tragic story. Verse 4, And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly 
gathered there. Now, if you did not know the story, and we just read these few verses, you would think that Israel went to war, they lost the battle, they lost everyone, and now they're stuck in this place not knowing what to do. But I wanted to show you in the, just quickly what has happened is nothing has happened. Go back to chapter Numbers 13, please. If you can just flick back to Numbers chapter 13. Talk us about exploring Canaan. And it says in verse 1 of Numbers 13, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. This was God's idea, friends, to send spies. It wasn't Moses' idea, and it wasn't the spies' idea. It was God's. Alright? It's important to hear that, because this was what God wants. God wants a prophetic people to know what lies ahead. While there are promises, and while He says it's a good land, He still wants us out there in the Spirit, can I suggest, looking at what we're in, in, uh, inheriting, what it's like, what's it going to be like, because that's what a prophetic people look at. They look at what's to come, rather than living at what was. That's why focusing will bring fruit, good fruit or bad fruit. Wherever we focus determines the fruit of our lives and of the ministry of this local church. So it says, um, uh, the Lord said, verse 3, So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, all of them, were leaders of the Israelites. So these were leaders who were sent, spies who were sent. Now there's a whole bunch of names there, and they're important, but we're not going to read them if you don't mind, just for time's sake. Verse 17, pick up there. It says, When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and into the hill country. See what the land is like, and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first grapes. For time's sake, just go to verse 21. So when they went up and explored the land, they went up in response. Verse 25. And at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. This is important. Now for me, I think there's some lessons just in this. One of them is, it's not good to give a report back to everyone. I think they should have given a report back to the leaders. Just so you know, that's my take on this. But anyway, they got everyone together at the Lord's command. They sent people at the Lord's command, they went to look at this property, the land, where they're going, what there was promised. And then they all came back and they gathered everyone together. And now they're giving a testimony of what they saw. An explanation of their... And even that, they brought back some of the fruit of what was there. This is what they said. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey! Exclamation mark! Isn't that amazing? That what God said is true. <laughs> Why were they so shocked? Oh, by the way, it does flow with milk and honey. Isn't that what God promised, friends? But they went there, they had a look, and they came back and said, "Hey, it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit." Verse twenty-eight. But this is probably one of the worst buts 
in the Bible. The fruit is there. It does flow with milk and honey. Why did they not just stop with that testimony? But, but, the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the... Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with him said, We cannot attack those people. They are stronger than who we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. Isn't that tragic? Now, we just read the next chapter, and said they wept, they mourned, they cried, they said, let's go back to Egypt, let's find a leader, why did God bring us here? We're dead, we're done, we're dusted, our children are going to miss out, we're going to all die. Friend, what happened? These guys who came back and said, we can't do this. They spread a bad report. By what they saw and by their take, determined how everyone else responded to what God had said. They said, they said the land we explored devours those who are living in it. All the people, listen to that now. Now look how they're beginning to see things. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there, whatever. Look at what they said. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same way to them. I mean, the friends, they now are beginning to see themselves as nothing. After what they've been... It just now, now, why am I saying this? Why is God saying this to us? I believe because what we focus on determines the fruit of our lives. What we see, rather than just what He says, how we respond to what it is God says, determines, I believe, the fruit of the season we're in. And I feel like, friends, that as I said, the devil perhaps has just taken a bit of a, and hit you, or hit, taken, and again, it's not something to be fearful of, it's just something to be aware of, that maybe that ladder has been shaken a bit, and we become fearful, and we're not seeing beyond what we're called to see. And friends, the thing I want to say in this, spiritually speaking, you can miss out on a God-given inheritance if we don't understand what fear does to people. Now, fear is not a feeling. It's way more than that. And I, I want to say to you this evening that the devil uses the method of gradualism to bring us and to be attacked as God's people. It's not a one thing. It's this constant. And I feel like sometimes the devil has come and got us just to fear and to begin to back off and live in fear. And gee, that was what is going to be, but no longer can we walk in those things. And, and I just want to show you, if I can, just a... One of the most frequent commands in the Bible is this. Do not be afraid. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's frequent right through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Do not be afraid. You see, everyone deals with fear. I'm not standing up here this evening saying, come on, what's wrong with you? I don't deal with this. Fear is a part of everyday living and certainly we as God's people face it, can I suggest, more than most. The devil comes and he attacks and he brings this thing. Fear of the future. Fear of where people are at. Fear of what it looks like. Fear of what our nation's going to be. Fear of the church. Fear, Friends, there's so many 
fears that we as God's people live with. And there's fruit to fear. And I just want to show you a few of those fruits and then we'll look at faith to land with that if that's okay. Fear attacks our perspective. You see, when fear, what it does is it causes us to reduce the size of God and to elevate the size of our circumstances or our situations. And that's what happened to those Israelites. Ten of them came and said, we can't do this. Why? Because they began to fear the size of the people, the fortified city. There's no way we can do this. And so their perspective changed. Friends, honestly, please hear my heart. We as God's people lose our perspective too soon because we allow the stuff around us to determine what God's called us to. And again, I'm not saying this is easy, but I am saying there is fruit to fear. And one of them is we get our perspectives mixed up and messed up. I feel like that has happened. That it, and you begin to shrink back. I feel like that has happened for some of us in this room tonight. And I want to tell you, God has called you to be a fruitful people, not a fearful people. Good. See, somebody said fear does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. What it does is it empties today of its strength. It sucks the very life of God out of us when we fear tomorrow. We don't even fear what happens. We have no strength for today. Somebody said, fear causes worry, and worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. (laughs) Somebody else said, worry gives a small thing a big shadow. Mark Twain said this. He said, I've been through many, I've been through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. Meaning what? We fear so many things that actually never going to happen. Those guys missed out on a whole inheritance, as did all their people except the two who said we can do this. Everyone else missed out of an inheritance because they chose to believe a lie and lose perspective. You know when you're tired, you lose perspective. When you're mentally tired, physically tired, you do, friends. Things become way bigger in our minds. But let me also tell you, when you're fighting a battle that you're not called to fight, you lose perspective. And eventually, you put up the white flag and you say, I can't do this anymore. Friends, God has called us to be a people who take this land in this season. To take the inheritance He's called to us. But our perspective gets lost because we fear the circumstances rather than what God has spoken of. Are you with me? Somebody said, all I've seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. We've got to trust God in this season. So some, number one, the fruit of fear is that we lose our perspective. Secondly, we begin to pursue the wrong thing. Fear causes us to live, and if you're called to be a leader, you lead others in the wrong direction when it comes to fear. The Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt, to being slaves. If you know the story, read what happened and how they were forced to be in slavery. They cried out to God, deliver us, save us. God had a plan. He got Moses to be the deliverer leader to take them out of slavery and bondage. Now they're out. They've seen miracles. They're walking in this incredible... But now they're beginning to fear where they're headed. Bad report, they're saying, let's go back to slavery. Isn't that insane when you sit here and you read that? But friends, many of us begin to live in that place 
Because fear causes us to, let's go back to what we know, rather than let's embrace the unknown and be free. Anyway. You see, what you believe about your future determines how you live today. And I have seen for too long, personally, in my ministry and in the churches we're involved in, where people decide it's too hard, it's too difficult, I'm going to pursue what I was part of, because at least I know it's a sure thing, even though it's bondage and slavery. Are you you there? Where, Where are you at in this? It's subtle. It's not immediate. It's this gradually beginning to say back off now. Friends, I'm just using an illustration like your facility. I'm sure it can be overwhelming to buy a facility like you have or to move into a space where, I mean, but here's what I want to say. You can't move back. There is no going back. Why? Because if it's God, you've got to go forward and you've got to pursue what's still to come and the dream God has for this church through the new facility, not what did you have in the past. It's amazing how many when we's are in the kingdom. When we were this, when we were that. We're not when we's, we are what's to come. And fear honestly gets us to pursue what was rather than what's still to come. Thirdly, the fruit of fear is we become passive. Now, fear causes us to stay quiet when we need to speak up, friends. And if you're not convinced and you begin to fear, do you know that these guys, two of them, we didn't read the whole story, came and said, we can do this. And you know what they did? The people, the other ten spies, turned on the two that said, we can, and said, let's stone those. Let's kill those who say we can And so what I want to say in this is we need, without being a cheerleader this evening, we need can-do people saying, God said it, therefore we need to speak up. When people are having a bad day, and let me tell you, we all have them, me included, but so does Mark, so does Kara. And I mean, when Mark's having a bad day, I'll tell you what I love about Mark, is that he wears his, his heart on his sleeve. You don't have to guess where Mark's at. That's a good thing when you have a leader like that, because he's not fake. But this man wears his heart on his sleeve. And I want to tell you, when Mark's down, we're all down. I'm like, Mark, what's happening? Let's, and you begin to speak life. And, and then suddenly Mark's up. And not because he's up. and He's carrying the reality of what it means to lead God's people into something that is impossible. But friends, we need people around us. This church needs to be unquietly optimistic. And say, we can do this. The culture says we can't. The government says we can't. The finances say we can't. But we can because God said we can. You know those two who said we can, Joshua and and Caleb, if they didn't say we can, they wouldn't have walked in their inheritance. They're the only two who said they can. They're the only two who walked in their God-given inheritance, as did all their their, their, uh, offspring. Imagine if they sat there listening to the ten going, I think we can, but I'm not going to say it. Why? Because I don't want to get stoned. They stood up and said, we can. God said, you two, you got your inheritance. You ten, you're done. (coughs) Hi. (coughs) Come on. This is America. We loud here. I'm not saying cheer me, but I'm saying you've got to be unquietly optimistic because fear gets you to shut your mouth and be passive. 
And I want to say most times we're passive and quiet because we're obsessed with what others think of us. You know, Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, if I was trying to win the approval of man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. What does that mean? I'm either going to have to choose. If I want to please man, I can't serve Christ. If I want to please God, I've got to get on with what God's called me to do and not worry about what people think. <laughs> now the point is being pres- is a procrastinator. I believe that's part of this thing of fear. Good, the good thing is we'll end on faith and be excited. But I want to just tell you, there's fruit to fear. And one of them, then we become procrastinators. We, we, uh, somebody said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. If we do nothing, evil triumphs. And so we become this procrastinating people. You know, if you read on, you'll see that actually today's complacency becomes tomorrow's captivity. And their complacency of we can't do this actually ends up they and their children didn't walk in the inheritance God had for them because it's kept, it becomes something that brings us into captivity when we begin to be a people who are not willing to do what it is God said. We become pleasers. Fear causes us to seek, listen friends, consensus rather than seeking God. We begin to please people around us rather than asking God what it is He has, what He said. Proverbs 29, 25, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. We begin to protect ourselves. Next point, quickly. is We begin to protect ourselves and our own interests when we begin to fear. You know, I, 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 there's a bad report going around this nation. By turning on the TV, you hear it. How many of you know there is a bad report? America's in trouble. Make America great again. I'm not, I'm not even talking politics. I'm not telling you to vote for anyone. I'm just telling you... Can I just say this about voting? Can I interrupt quickly? I'm telling you who to vote. Because I don't even have a clue who to vote for right now. I'm being honest. This is a mess. But this I want to tell you. Forgive me. Let's not vote to make history again. Let's vote for the future that God has for us. If you just want to make history, how's that turning out? Vote for a future, not for the history of making history. Okay, is that okay? I'm not telling you what to vote. And that means nothing and IRS don't come <laughs> after me or whatever else. I don't know who to vote. All I'm saying is this. Anyway, okay. But we begin to protect our own interests. I watch. When you listen, there's no money. The economy is getting messed up. I begin to watch Christians. Can I be honest? Men of God, women of God who serve, begin to protect their own interests. What about me, my family? My, and they begin to put things in their own hands to protect their own interests. How does this affect me? And how am I going to have to hold back and begin to save and no more can I trust God? Friends, it's real. But fear causes us to protect our own interests. It becomes about ourselves. And God never did. So these guys were, how are we going to do this? We can't do this. Meanwhile, they, others were, we can. This is for someone bigger than us. <laughs> what about me? Is what we begin. What about my family? What about my home? What about my inheritance? Those are the questions that become our questions because of fear. We begin to protect ourselves. We begin then into moving, next point, into our own preferences. 
Fear causes us to resist change because honestly, we become more about our comfort and convenience than being more like Christ. I think fear causes us to promote the wrong things, causes us to control things and take things into our own hands rather than trust the Lord and trust others. You know what, friends? What I've learned is this. People who are control freaks really don't do well when it comes to fear because things don't go their own way. <laughs> Sorry. All right, and then say and two more, and then we get into faith, and then hopefully I'll hear an amen also. Okay. Fear causes us to pretend. And what I mean by that, it causes us to conceal sin and shame in our lives rather than where the word is so clear, we confess it and deal with it. We become pretenders out of fear. You know, can I just say this? And I'm not here to preach on sin, but I want to just this about sin. I know people who have sinned really bad. And I also know those who have sinned really bad, some have moved into great things in God, and I've seen others who've sinned really bad stay in that place and never move forward. I want to tell you, for me, the difference of those two people would be this. Simply owning your sin. You know, David is an incredible example of a man who owned his sin. And David was a bad sinner. I mean, we, he, he committed adultery and he had the husband of the, the wife that he committed adultery with killed. Adultery and murder. And Nathan the prophet comes to him. You know the story. And he says, hey, I'm just give me some leeway. I'm speaking today's language. He says, David, what if there was a man who had everything and a man who had nothing? And the man who had everything took what the man had, had nothing, the only thing that man had, and took it from him. What David said, who's that man? I'll have him killed. And Nathan looked at David and said, you're that man. Now, David could have said, no, hang on, I'm the king. Don't talk to me like that. Or he could have said, no, I didn't, like most people. Or he could have said, you don't understand this wife that I have. I needed someone better. And a friend said, he didn't make an excuse. He actually acknowledged he's the guy. And if you go read Psalm 51, it's one of the most incredible repented stories of repentance and what it means to be true repenting. What does he say? He said, oh Lord, I've sinned against you. Not I've sinned against man. I want to make it right. Oh God, I've sinned against you. And, and then he said, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And don't cast me away from your, from your presence, Lord. And then he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He didn't say, save me again. He said, restore to me my salvation. Because friend, when you're living in sin, you can't have joy in your salvation. So we think we're free to sin. No, no. We're free from sin. And fear causes us to hold and pretend and play a game rather than take ownership and trust for God to restore us and bring us to that free place so we can walk in this inheritance rather than pretend everything's fine and lie to God and to people. Is that making sense? Is that okay? And friends, that's the joy of what we're part of is we're called to release and trust and take ownership and find freedom, not to sin, from sin.
Fear causes us to prioritize. We fear causes us to seek easy decisions rather than the right decision. Alright, so that's fear. How many of you want to have fruit from fear? That's what it is, friends. That's what it is. And I, it's what happened in a whole nation lost a God-given inheritance because of fear. Now, if you, we haven't got time because I'm running out of time. But if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, I, it's the, the wonderful text on faith. And I'm asking, I, I'm challenging you tonight to go home and to read that text and meditate on it. I know it's long, but let me tell you, God wants to speak to you as individuals tonight and this, over this next season on what it means to be a people of faith. Not a people of fear, but a people of faith. Because where you focus is the fruit of either fear or faith. And we've seen what fear does. Let me just throw out from Hebrews chapter 11 some of the things, the fruit of faith. Hebrews 11 gives us this long list of heroes of the faith, men and women, who are examples to us of what authentic faith looks like. When you study this chapter, friends, you realize very quickly that faith is not a bare belief. And that's why I want to just challenge us this in this season. And what I believe God's saying to us, it's not hang in there. It's step to the next rung so you can see. Don't hang in there and stay on the ladder. That's not faith. And I listen to people, how are you doing, bro? Hanging in there. That's not faith. Now, I understand that that's how some of us feel, but that's not faith. Faith isn't hanging in there. Faith isn't I'm hanging on for dear white-knuckled serving God. Friends, somewhere we've got to understand, faith is actually action. It does things. It's a verb. Not hang on, but do stuff in the response to what God says. Just a couple of, a few verbs as we land. Faith understands, according to Hebrews 11. It understands. Verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's God. Faith, I believe, will open our understanding. And let me say to us this evening, please, we as the people of God need to be a people who understand. The reason we're fearful is because we don't understand. God wants us to understand the seasons, the times, and to know what we're to do in these times. And so faith isn't just, I'm hanging in there. Faith is, it teaches me to understand. It opens up my heart, my understanding. By faith, we understand that the world was created. Christians should understand. Are you there, friends? It's not, I'm hanging in there. I'm understanding. Because that's what faith. I believe this evening, God is helping some of us again to understand. That's why I went through this. That's why I was challenged. Maybe that shaking of that ladder. Now I understand. God, I want to respond in faith, not hang in there and hope we make it. I want to take that next step of the road so I can begin to see again rather than feel like I'm hitting my head against the, the wall. When the wall is right there, we can get over it if we just get back to faith. Faith understands. Secondly, faith offers. Offers. Sound like you? I'm trying. American right there. Offers. Verse 4 says, By faith, listen to this, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. Now listen, friends. I believe true faith will lead you and I to make sacrifices. To deny ourselves. And to be more committed. It's not, come on, let's do this for each other. It's not, come on, because we need to do this. It's faith that causes us.
to actually offer things to God. I mean, Mark got up here this evening and kind of challenged us to give. And friends, you must be tired of hearing about how to give. But faith, give in faith. Don't give because you have to. If you've beaten over the head to give, you haven't understood. God is your source. Who believes God is your source? Let me ask, who doesn't believe? Okay, then I don't understand why people have a problem with tithing. I'm just saying, tithing is not this big rule and law. It's pre-law. Is it post-law? Is it law? Isn't it law? Why didn't Jesus... Here's the deal about tithe. This is it. You want to know? God said, I'm your source. God said, I want you to prove that you know that I'm your source. And this is how. I want you to take 10% of your income and I want you to give it to me as a proof to me that you know I'm your source. Hello? Oh, is it law? No, no, it's before law. It was God saying, I want you to acknowledge me as your source. And when Jesus came, God didn't stop being our source. So whether it's law, pre-law exists, is it? Do they need it? They don't need it. God wants you to show Him that you believe He's your source. So when you get your income before anything, 10%, don't get caught up in a tithe. Tithe is just simply meaning 10%. If I was God, I'd say, you give me 90% and you can have 10. But God says, all I want is you first to acknowledge from the outset, 10%. Who do you give it to? God. How do you do that? Have a little altar in your closet and you put money in for God and then when you need it, you just kind of borrow from God like most people. No, no. Give it to God. How? By giving it to the church. Now, He didn't pay me to say this. I'm not even getting paid to be here. Are you with me? We make beggars out of our leaders and we don't honor God because of law. Friends, He's the source. He's got a way of saying, here's how I honor you. You honor me by taking it, giving it to me. How do I do that? Give it to the church. Well, I'm worried about where to put the money. It's not your problem. You have to worry about giving to God, giving to them. They will stand before God, these elders and these leaders, for what they do with every single cent, dime, that belongs to God. Not your problem. Their problem with God. Your problem is, you're my source. Am I making sense, friend? And if these guys have abused you financially, you shouldn't be in this church. But if you left another church where you've been abused, why are you blaming them? I'm sorry, I'm not shouting. I'm just passionate. This thing of law, let's get over it. Tithers tell testimonies. Non-tithers argue about the law. Faith. Don't give because you have to give because God, you're my source. And I can never outgive you. Faith offers not money, it's everything. You know that building you guys are doing over there? You think it's for you. It's for us. It's for this community. It's for this nation. It's for this city. And of course you'll be blessed, but you are building something for others. That's what faith is about. You can't do it if you're begrudging and fearful, but man, we're building this thing in, in God for offering it for the purposes of God. Are you there, friends? Fear won't let you do that. Faith inspires you to do that. Faith builds, which is what I've just spoken. Not only does it offer, it builds. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen in holy fear, I'm landing this, just relax, built an ark to save his family. Amazing to me. A God calls Noah to build an ark when Noah doesn't know what the flood's about or what an ark is. You're there. It's like being in the desert where there's no water where there's dry and drought, 
And God says, I want you to build an ark. No, it's like, what is an ark? An ark is a boat. What's a boat? Something that floats in water. What is water? Why? Because we're in the desert here. What do we need a boat for? Hello? He initiated something with absolute no understanding, except he obeyed, and thank God he built an ark, otherwise we would not be here today. What I'm saying in this, friends, it's not hanging in there. It's initiating things that God speaks to you, not always knowing, but in hindsight, ah, it makes sense. That's a prophetic people. Not we have to. God said we're going to do this, and it'll make sense later. I'm not sure why you're all so quiet. I thought I'd get an amen or two in this, but thanks, Mark. Mark's great, and Kara's also great. All right, we're nearly done. Faith obeys. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he later received it and he obeyed, even though, friends, he didn't know where he was going. That's called faith. I mean, we all want it laid out and presented in every detail before we will say yes to the Lord. And I get that. And there are times God is a God of details that shows us. He's always in the detail, but He doesn't always show us the detail. And fearful people will not respond. Faithful people respond regardless of the known or the unknown. See, faith leads us to venture into the unknown. That's what faith does. Not I'm hanging in there. We're trusting and moving in a season, even if we don't have what we need. God said He'll make a plan. I want to say we got it in this season. We as God's people need to be willing to embrace the uncertain if we want to see the unbelievable again. How many of you want to see the unbelievable? It's not going to happen if we're fearful and hanging on. It's going to happen when we trust into the ventures of the unknown, but knowing God said it, that's good enough for us. Faith enables. It enables. Go read it. And by faith, even Sarah, listen friends, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because, why? She considered him faithful who made the promise. She was past the age of able to have a child. But she had a child because she trusted the one who made the promise, not what she had. Are you there? See, faith enables us, friends. You need some enabling. It's not going to be fear. It's going to be faith. Enabled us. Enabled her to fall pregnant and have the promised child because she trusted the one who promised it, not her body. Faith longs. I like that. Verse 16, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. You know, I want to say faith is a forward-looking grace. It will always fix our minds of eternity. What do you long for, friends? See, fear gets us to long for what we had. Let's go back to Egypt. Faith stirs us to long for this country, this place, this heavenly country, this place, this city we've never been to. You know that Moses, uh, Abraham died believing yet not walking in what He was promised. Isn't that incredible? He never lost His way because He didn't walk in it. He kept believing and He died not walking in it. Why? Because He had faith to believe. And we, in this room tonight, are walking in what Abraham saw in his spirit and in his eyes, but never actually walked in it. 
It's a forward-looking grace. Do you still live with what's to come? Are you backed up on what was and are we done now? Faith blesses. This is important for you and I tonight. Verse 20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. How many of you want to leave a legacy? There's all this talk about legacy in the church today. Well, let me tell you, faith leaves a legacy. You see, Isaac blessed his sons in faith. See, I believe that people of faith bring blessing to those around them and their children. See, when this man, when, Mark, when Mark's walking in his inheritance, I'm walking in mine. When Mark has faith, I have faith. When you have faith, they have faith. That's how God does this thing, friend. That's why it's not an optional extra. It's the life we've been called to live. Faith leaves a legacy. You can bless your future and those who are part of the future by faith, but not by fear. Am I, am I making sense? Faith worships. Probably the most challenging one of all. Faith worships. Verse 21. By faith Jacob, when was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the stone. Now friends, here's a man. On his last leg, he's leaning on his staff and he's looking up to heaven. And What does he do? Not take me, get me out of here. I'm done with this world. well with my soul I mean that song do you know the story of how that guy who wrote that song he was on a ship and he was cruising past where his wife and his children died shipwrecked and he said to the, to the captain of the sh- on the ship when we get to the place where my family was killed would you just point it out and the guy wrote this is where they would die you know what he began he penned that song when peace like a river and then it says there, it is well Whatever my lot, you've caused me to say, it is well with my soul. I mean, friends, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be thanking God and saying how well my soul is when I've just seen where my family died. What gets you to live like that? It's called faith. I'm not playing with our emotional strings tonight. This I want to tell you. Faith causes us to worship God. I want to tell you, this is a season of worship for this church. Worship of declaring the bigness and the awesomeness and the amazing things who God is and honoring regardless. Let me tell you, if you only worship God when you have your breakthrough, God is a genie, not God. And I know that sounds challenging, but I can tell you, God's called many things in the Bible, but genie, not Whatever my lot, you've called me to say, it is well. Faith can only do that. You can't make that up. You can't pretend, friend. What causes the welling up of inside for you and I is faith. I want to tell you, as I've relocated to this nation and been involved in what we've been involved, it hasn't gone according to plan. But I can honestly stand here tonight and say, whatever my lot, he's caused me to say. It is well with my soul. And only faith can get us, regardless of our futures, regardless of what you're facing. And I know some of you are facing some pretty radical stuff. Can you in that still find leaning on your staff saying, not get me out of here. It is well. You are worthy 
to be worshipped. Not a feeling, friend. It's not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. And that's where we've, did, we've lost our way because we've made it a feeling rather than a reality. So I, I, I land with this. How do you respond? How do we respond? Can I say in this season, look to the person of God. In the book of Daniel, it says, those who know their God do great exploits for Him. Stand strong and resist. Not people who know of God. Those who know their God. Look to the person. Look to the promises of God. I, I challenge you guys again. I'm sure you've done this in your dark hours, but I I want to challenge this church to pull out, dust off, Harper, dust off those prophetic words. Whether they're over your own lives or over this church. And I want to tell you guys in this room, dust those prophetic words off because this is what the Father says, to stay strong and to be full of faith and not to live by fear. You've got to go back to the promises of God. 1 Timothy 1, it says this, verse 18, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle. Holding on is by you recalling the words spoken over you. How many of you have had prophetic words over your lives? If you read the Bible, those are words of prophetic utterance over our lives. Alright, feast on the scriptures in this season. Friends, I'm telling you, there's a lot of bad news and bad reports. Get the scriptures in you. Meditate. You know what I've done? I'm I've stopped reading my Bible from my iPad. And you say, well, that's good. It is good. Why? Because whenever I'm reading from this, I end up preparing messages. And also all my emails, texts, Facebook, I mean, all this stuff comes up when I'm reading my own. So you know what I've said? Lord, I'm going to still preach from this and I'm going to cut and paste and prep there. But I'm going to read my Bible again. Why? Because I want to feast on the Scriptures and not be distracted by all this other stuff. Why? Because I need faith to lead God's people. And I want to tell you, I turn on TV and I do watch and you say I'm crazy. I want to know what the world is doing. I want to know what's happening in our politics. I really do. I watch not Fox, CNN and everything else. Why? Because I need to know, friends. Because I need to engage people. But I want to tell you, I turn that off and I'm, I'm, I'm fearful. And I go back and say, let me read. Feast on the scriptures of Fight the right battles. I feel that for you, Mark, too. I feel this is a season to fight the right battles. Honestly, I feel like the devil's strategy in going forward is get you to fight everyone else's battle. You can't. You can't. You all need to fight. You've only got grace to the battles you've been called to fight. No one else's battle. <coughs> that, to me, will help us. Look to the power of God, not what can you do. Not what can you do. What can God do? Look to... The provision of God. In a tough season, an unknown, you look and just say, gee, look what God has done. I sit with my family regularly and I ask my kids, what did God do? Actually, we're reminded of what God's done. I tell you, friends, when you begin to start meetings with testimonies again, it stirs your faith to believe. And the last thing I want to say is this. Look to what pleases God. Guess what pleases Him? Faith. It's not what you do that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Isn't that amazing? We do stuff to please Him. But if it's not done in faith, it ain't pleasing Him. Because that which is done without faith is sin. 
I do this because I have to. Sin. I do this because I have faith. I'm pleasing God. Let's pray together. Is that okay? Are you right? It's okay, Mark. You're going to adjust. Friends, just close your eyes for a moment if you wouldn't mind. We're not getting all spiritual here. I just can't hear something like this. And it's not emotion. God's not looking just for emotion. He gave you emotion, but you don't respond out of emotion. You respond out of faith. I want to ask you to be brave this evening. I felt like this is, I don't feel I've done the particularly good job, but this I can honestly say, God gave me this for you tonight. And you can do what you want with it. That's the reality. But I feel like that's, that, that, that ladder is a picture of some of us in this room tonight. You say, Tyron, I'm one of those people that need to respond, not to get saved, but I need to climb that next rung and I've been hit, this has been shaken this ladder's been shaken a bit and that's I, 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 fear and I need to climb that next rung to actually look over and begin to walk in this future again and I'm going to ask you to be brave and just put your hand up if that is you just say that's me, I'm responding thank you sir, Wonderful. just put your hand up not for me, it's for you, it's for responding to God Father, you see these hands right across this room. We thank you, Father, that you're a good God. You're an awesome, good, good Father. It's who you are. We love by you, not by what we do. We love by you because of who you are and what you've done. And I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who moves. You didn't give us fear. You haven't called us to fear. You've called us to be a people of faith. And however, this gradualism of the devil who's just attacked and attacked and perhaps has changed our perspective and caused us to become fearful tonight, you, would, you, would you encourage it? We give us strength, not in our own strength. Give us strength. Be strong in the Lord to help us to step up back onto that rung again and to look into the future with faith. Where it hasn't been by faith, we say, Lord, we, we truly repent of that. But we want to be a people of faith. We want fruit. We don't want to say we are people of faith. We want the fruit of faith. We ask in this season, you'll break, shake, shake off the dust. The negativity, the lies, the attack, the assault, the things that have been said, we ask in the name of Jesus for those to fall away. And for the life, the voice of the Father, the commendation of heaven to come again. Give us fresh legs for this season. Give us fresh faith. Not feeling. Faith to walk in the bigness of what you've called. Lord, let us not shrink back. But would you give us, even with facilities and profile, and let this be a season of breakthrough rather than hold back. Give us faith, because you are a good, good Father. And we belong to a good Father. Pray your blessing over this church. I pray wherever the devil has come, Lord, that you would silence the voice of the accuser. That you'll bring healing in this room tonight. Healing and wholeness to bodies, but also to spirits, to minds, to hearts. to the attacks 
the lies of the devil. And may it be your voice that is the loudest voice, the voice of truth that spurs us to believe God said, therefore we can. We bless you tonight, Lord. We thank you our faith is not in something. Our faith is in someone. And that is you, Jesus Christ. The unchanging, unchanging in your promises and in your purposes. And we bless you tonight. We bless you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.